golf and rock and roll? Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on FM 96.9 The Game. Hey, bring me another bucket of balls. We love it. And turn on the lights. I love to play. Because I love it. We love it. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of almost... One day, someday, ultimate I-4 in the house. Ali G along with Jeff Shane. Didn't I just hear that uh, the ultimate I-4 is going to be ground under repair for even longer now? Indeed. So that's job security for us, Jeff Shane. (laughs) Keeping people entertained on their drive home. Hey, whatever it takes. Uh, Speaking of job security, Max Homa. Ho, ho, Homa. Home of the Brave. Winning at the Wells Fargo. Great story. First time winner. Going from 829 in the world in October, Jeff, to his first win in the PGA Tour, now creeping up the rankings to 102. (laughs) But as we know, those first time wins provide you a lot of job security. Oh, absolutely! It gives you two years. He gets into uh, he gets into the majors, gets into the masters. Uh, by by which, uh, well, we may want to revisit his his uh, dream about uh, start starting on the first tee in the masters. We can go over that later. But and he's got a tee time in two weeks at Beth Page, yeah. the PGA Championship. Yeah, a, a big jump. I mean. You said he was, you know, was eight hundred and whatever at the start of the year. He was four hundred and seventeen ten days ago. So uh, Max Homa definitely on the rise, uh, but a talented golfer, former NCAA individual champion, lost in the quarterfinals of the uh, U.S. Amateur as a Cal freshman, lost it to his teammate. In fact, a uh, guy by the name of Ben On that uh, we've seen on tour for a number of years. So. Uh, Sometimes players bloom a little bit later than we expect, but Max Homa has the talent, has always had the talent, and now that he's got that win, he'll have the confidence to stay where he is. Yeah, and speaking of confidence, when you have to go back to the web.com tour, as we've talked about uh, in the past, and earn your stripes, so to speak, all over again, then you come back and win. That really kind of accelerates you, I think, in terms of, you know, being able to start playing with these guys. Yeah. Compete week to week. As good as the web.com tour is, um, sometimes it it still is a bit of a slap in the face when you get to the big tour. And now you're standing on the range with Dustin Johnson and Rory McIlroy and Ricky Fowler and uh, you're watching their names rise to the top of the leaderboard. And you have to figure out what do I have to do? to keep up with some of these guys. Uh, and 
you may struggle for a little bit. You may need to go back down and get that second bite of the web.com tour as Max Homa has done, as Chesson Hadley has done. You can even go back to Boo Weekly. Some of those guys, uh, they had to go back down, kind of get it all figured out, sort get of. all the dominoes arranged, and then you get back and finally that win happens, and that's what happened with Max Holman last week. Well, and there were some big names on this leaderboard on his heels, to say the least, Sunday. The likes of Justin Rose, Sergio Garcia, Ricky Fowler, Paul Casey, and Jason Duffner. Um, you know, a pretty strong field there to be competing for your first win on Sunday. And Rory starting just two shots back on Sunday. And what a mess. 73. Never got anything going. Played the front nine in one over and then went and had an absolute mess of the 10th hole at Quail Hollow. With a, it's, it's when you know it's not going to be your Sunday when that happens. Yeah, at that point, you're just, okay. It, it, Double bogey, yeah. <laughs> seven on a par five, three-putted from six feet. With no water. No water. There, 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 were, there was no penalty drops. He was just shy of the green in two, but it's an elevated green, and the ball went up, and the ball came back down twice. He finally got it on the green, got it to the six feet, and then had the three putt. Um, I know Rory, you know, has talked about you know keeping a even keel and and you know meditating, but that's got to be hard to meditate on afterwards. I would I would think so, and not maybe the round uh, you want to have, especially at a course where he was going for his third win, where he feels, you know, very comfortable. And we know likes that golf course a lot. Where he shot 61 to win the, uh, the second of his two championships and shot 62 on Sunday for his first PGA Tour win there in 2010. So we know that he's, uh, he, he loves the course. He's got the game. He, he feels comfortable there. But, boy, 10 just did him in. <laughs> so, uh, Joel... Uh, Damon, tell us a little bit about him. Finishes second. Um, you know, I love the relationship so many of these guys have, you know, uh, because they've grown up playing junior golf together, college golf together. And Joel's comment was after the round, I didn't beat myself today, which was the goal. Said Max is playing awesome. He's a good friend. I think we're going to celebrate tonight. You know, what great sportsmanship. Yeah, and uh, here's another guy that has just taken some time to to get his feet wet. He's uh he he's in his I believe it's fifth full season on tour. Uh we started to see a little bit of him on leaderboards last year. Uh had a dust up with uh who was it over slow play or not over slow play, but uh over a penalty. Uh, that may or may not uh, should have been assessed. I think it was with Wee Kim, middle of last year. That that was kind of our introduction to Joel, Joel Damon, but uh, the guy's got game, he's got a personality, and he's playing a lot better. In the last six starts he's had on tour, four of them have gone for top 20 finishes. And, uh, of course, the, the runner-up at Wells Fargo earlier this year was, was ninth at Torrey Pines. And uh, up to number 80 in the world ranking. You're listening to the Golf Insiders in the house, Holly G, along with Jeff Shane. Uh, let's just look at a couple of the other events this past week. Scott McCarron, he's on a roll, won the Insperity Championship on the Champions Tour. 
And we have a major coming up this week at the Regions Championship. Miguel Angel Jimenez is uh, the defending champ. He is. Um, but Scott McCarron is the guy that, that takes momentum. And not only did he win last week at the Insperity, but he's won two of the last three uh, starts on the Champions Tour, leads the uh, uh, the Charles Schwab Cup list by uh, quite a wide margin. And uh, this is really the, the second good year that he's had in the last three. Tailed off a little bit last year. Had a great 2017, but nobody remembers it because Bernard Longer was winning everything in sight. And what people don't remember is that when Bernard Longer was not winning, Scott McCarron picked up a lot of those scraps. Absolutely. And uh, speaking of uh, Champions Tour players, John Daly approved to use a cart at the PGA Championship. Fill us in on that scoop. Well, he's he's been dealing with an arthritic condition in his knee, uh, which may be why we don't see him on the PGA Tour all that much anymore. But as a past champion of the PGA Championship, he's still got another six or seven years that he can play the event and uh, intends to play Beth Page Black. But with the arthritic knee, uh, he did appeal and uh, or apply and and one uh, application for uh, taking a cart around Bethpage. Uh, so he'll be the one in the loud pants and, and the golf cart. Maybe he'll have a loudmouth golf cart. Who knows? <laughs> um, Say Young Kim won the LPGA Medihill Championship, and uh, another win for Say Young Kim in what's become a a pretty good year. Uh, for her as well, we talk about Unhee Ji. She won out at the uh, at the Diamond Resorts earlier this year, um, and now they have now completed their West Coast swing. Their West Coast swing lasts six weeks, um, but they're taking two weeks off. They will come back in two weeks to play at Kingsmill, and that's the final tune-up before the U.S. Women's Open in Charleston coming up at the end of the month. Well, uh, coming up, the rest of this show, we're going to be talking about the Byron Nelson as they move to Dallas and, um, you know, perhaps another rant by Mr. Shane here on the schedule. Is is this tournament being impacted again due to some of the scheduling changes? (laughs) Uh, But we won't go there right now. Podcast. You can find it from last week's podcast. But give us a a brief, um, you know, first look at, at the Byron uh, it is uh, at a uh, second year at Trinity Forest, which is a misnomer because there's not a tree on the golf course. It's built over a former landfill, wide open, 7,300 yards, and it's been raining. So it's really going to favor long hitters. One player in the top 18 in the world rankings. Uh, this is a perfect fit, too, for Brooks Kepka. Indeed. So uh, we have got a lot to talk about in our, our next segment. Stay with us. The Golf Insiders, 96.9 The Game. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got the struggler's blues. The struggler's blues. We're back. The Golf Insiders in the house, Holly G, along with Jeff Shane. Um... Follow us on social, everywhere, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and thegolfinsiders.com. And speaking of Twitter, Jeff, Max Homa, he's like a comedian. 
Some some guys have a very dry, un, and if you don't know them, you, know, you don't know the, their sense of humor. But you know, even a guy like Paul Casey, you've heard me rave about Paul Casey. He's got a very dry sense of humor, and, he, and he's fun to chat up. But Max Homa has has put it on uh, put it out on Twitter, and I'm sure that his Twitter account is blowing up. And uh, we were going over during the break, and I was looking at it even before the show. Some of the best of Max Homa. And remember, I mentioned that he's now going to the Masters, and it's been a dream of his to look, play that tournament. And he's already got a, he's already got a tweet out on it. He says, "quote I don't think I'd be nervous on the first tee at my first Masters. It's always been a dream of mine to play in that tournament. I jump right past nervous and skip straight to violently ill, unfit to be in public." I love it. I love it. McCord on Sunday kept saying, "You got to check out his Twitter feed because he said this guy is funny and." Uh, a guy we know who's pretty funny. Um, and wonder, very dry. And very dry. Um, Unless he's in literally. Dallas this week, in which case he would be so- sopping wet with everybody else. But. One of our favorites, Gary Van Sickle, joining us from themorningread.com. Mr. Van Sickle, how are you today? Um, gee, after that big buildup, I got, I got nothing. <laughs> was, was, that, was that Jake Trout in the Flounders in the in the? Indeed, indeed, our signature music for eleven yeah. seasons. There's a great group that didn't get enough publicity, and uh, they boy, they had some good guys playing in their band. You know, if you a couple of their songs, and I've told Peter Jacobson this, but a couple of their songs on their original uh, recording, I thought a couple of them were better than the originals. I thought their version of. Uh, uh, attackers of the flag, which is Bruce Hornsby's Defenders of the Flag. I, I like it. I like I like the Flounders version better. So it's a great they might, they CD. Might, yeah, it is better musicians than uh, Bruce Hornsby did. Nothing against Bruce, but his backup guys didn't bring it. So no, but uh, I know there's another group who is. I've been sitting here trying to remember the name, but uh, th- th- that does some parody stuff. And uh, uh, one one of my favorite was. Uh, the the original was two tickets to paradise, but uh, it was uh, it was uh, redone as two eighty with an uphill lie or something like that. And <laughs> yeah, two ten yeah. with an uphill lie. Gonna grab my three wood and let it fly. Uh, I'm sure yeah, you can I, find I, it I, somewhere. I was just, it's too bad the the uh, band broke up due to the death of Payne Stewart. But yeah. you know, I wanted mm-hmm. to write a couple. Wanted to write a couple songs, a couple lyrics for him. Uh, I was thinking Rod Stewart's Forever Young would be like four over par. But uh, I can see by the hilarity in the studio that maybe that wasn't such a great idea. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I was more envisioning you playing a little slide guitar and trying to sing a couple lines, Gary. That uh, no, they, that created I, some a, pause over here. No, no. I, I'm, a, I'm a keyboard guy, but I'm definitely not a singer, so that will not happen. But speaking of pause... Uh, Want to get your thoughts on what's happened here with the Texas, the former Texas swing and the scheduling shakeup and uh, the Byron Nelson, which is, you know, suffering greatly here. Well, the, the dirty little secret on the PGA Tour is that every tour stop is in competition with every other tour stop. And there aren't very many good dates left on the tour now that they've condensed the schedule and with the jam the majors all together. So if you want a good date, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have a sponsor who buys a better date. And if you wanna draw if you don't get a good date, then you better have 
a real drawing card to get players to come to your place, like the Memorial has Jack Nicklaus. Uh, Bay Hill used to have Arnold Palmer. Um, you have Tiger Woods hosting hosting one. Uh, used to have Byron Nelson hosting that. Players went there just to hang out with Byron, who was, as near as I can tell, the nicest guy who ever lived. I mean, he was he was the greatest. So that's the way it goes. Uh, you get bought out, you get outbid by other people, and you wind up with a bad date. Because let's think about it. How, how many tournaments is are the top players going to play? Twenty five, twenty seven, if that. Well, yeah. So they've got they've got four majors, a players championship. That's five. Uh, how many world golf championships are there? Four, four, five, or that, four. All the ones in China. Ones in China. So the upper to nine. Let's just say you're a winner and you go to Hawaii at the start of the year. That's ten. Um, you're probably going to play, and you got well, you, you you got three FedEx Cup events. Now you're at thirteen. So now, what am I leaving out? So now you've got uh, something on the that, floor to swing. Memorial. Yeah. You get, yeah. You got seven. You got. You're hoping to get these guys for. You got seven tournaments to get these guys, and there's 23 tournaments that want them. So you'd better have something. I mean, if you notice that the guy who runs his group runs Innisbrook at the uh, the Valspar uh, Hollis Kavner, he was he's a he's been a really successful running senior events, running tour events. He he's the guy who saved Wells Fargo. He's the guy who saved the tournament at Vals at uh, Innisbrook. He's a people person, and guys come to play because Hollis, you know, their number one goal is we. Their their mission is to overserve whatever, whatever your player needs. They're going to serve a double. You know, they're going to overserve. They're gonna, you need laundry. We're going to have double laundry. You know, whatever it is, they they go. They make it twice as good, and that works. Guys used to go to Wells Fargo for that in Charlotte because they had incredible perks like. Oh yeah, just bring your dirty clothes and leave them in your laundry, and we'll we'll clean your clothes for you. No other tournaments did that, so that's that's the issue now. And then, but none of those things matter if you got a really terrible date or a golf course that players hate. So uh, I think the jury's still out on this golf course. I, I think a lot of guys weren't enthused last year was the first year, but I think the jury's still out. And you know, Byron's not around. And uh, you're squeezed up against the week before a major, which could be a plus for some guys, could be a minus. So, But that's the real secret. You have to recruit as a tournament. You have to recruit players to come to your tournament. And guys like Rory, I mean, they're only they're – only, Rory's probably only playing 20. So good luck. It's a tough sell. Well, Trinity Forest, uh, unusual because it's a Lynx-type layout, which was built on a landfill by Crenshaw and Coor – course we know they've designed some amazing tracks yeah great great designers it, it's just it's a tough track when you can't you're limited you can't dig into the ground because it's a landfill you can't grow a tree because it's a landfill it really ought to be called trend no tree forest and the wind can be a key factor correct yes well yeah it, it's texas and yeah it's, it's may it's kind of going to be windy uh Here's the other thing, in in the summer when it's you know 97 and there's you know humidity is 98, and there's no not a tree in sight. I mean, I'm sure it's a delight to to walk. You know, it's like a, a big frying pan out there. But that's that's what, and there and they've got, uh, you know, I did something like a year or two ago about how this is 
kind of the kind of modern design golf course you don't want because it's got everything that goes against what golf needs. You need a fast play, low maintenance golf course. And this is a high maintenance, slow play golf course. You've got bunkers that are acres wide. You have, there's a double green there that's 35,000 square feet. Now, how's you know how long does it take the guy with the mower? I'm sure they have more than one guy do it, but this is not a low maintenance golf course. So now you're trying to sell this course to the public. I guess I guess if it's uh, the public thinks it's the home of the Byron Nelson, that has some sizzle. But are they going to pay 150 or 200 bucks? Uh, they've got a ground score I think of about 24, which you know most public courses I know are lucky if they got four guys. This has 24, so. Those economics make it hard for a course like this to be successful, and that's one of the reasons golf is having a problem. I just read a story in yesterday online about the city of Madison, Wisconsin's got four municipal courses. Two of them are nine-holers. One's got 36, and one's got 18, and they lost like $600,000 last year, mm. and wow. they don't know what to do. Uh, and uh, as you know, there's an anti-golf sentiment in every community. You, people want to make it into a dog-walking park or whatever. And you, it's like, you know, the, the government's not good at being in charge of stuff. The government can't run a raffle, as I like to say. So the last thing, the government certainly can't run a golf course very efficiently. So when you're looking at that money loss, I bet some of the employees they have, who work at the golf course do lots of other stuff the rest of the year or have other jobs, but they're putting their payroll on the golf course salary, so it weighs them down. Honestly, Madison's a golf, a hot golf city, and there's it's no shocking. way if you know what you're doing, you should be losing money yeah. running a golf That's... course there. So, But, you know, people, <clears throat> you have these economics, and so the clubhouses are falling down because the city hasn't spent money on them. It's a self-fulfilling cycle. You have government in charge. They, they can't keep up. They don't know how to run a, a real business and compete. Well, Gary, I think maybe the good news for the Byron Nelson is that Tony Romo is playing. He's in the field. So uh, plenty of fans probably coming out to watch Tony play. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'm surprised this stuff doesn't happen more often. You know, it's happened so infrequently over the years. I remember when Mark Rippon played the uh, tournament at Kemper. Yeah. And he got a lot of flack for it. And he wasn't that good of a player either. I think he shot 85-92 or something like that. But, you know, if it brings if it brings people out to the golf course, there's, it's the sponsor's decision. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, if the sponsor, you know, brings out the entire offensive line, then maybe it's not such a great idea. But, um, and remember the guy at Turning Stone? Remember the owner at Turning Stone up in New York? And he gave himself an exemption, and he was going to go out and play because he thought that's frightening. You know, he could break. Yeah, I don't remember the guy's name, but yeah. he was like 60 years old, and he just thought he was going to play. And uh, he took so much flack that was the end of that, and that was kind of the end of that tournament. But no, I thought Tony Romo's a good draw. He's a pretty good player. You know, he it's possible he might get close to making the cut. All right, so uh, let me give you a, let me give you a quick rundown and have you. Give us a pick here. So we've got a few Texans in the field, of course. Uh, Jordan Spieth, most notable. Patrick Reed and Jimmy Walker all playing. And then uh, you got some guy named Brooks Kepka. Uh, who's your pick? You going long or you going short? Well, it's not a major. Otherwise, I'd take Kepka. Kepka is my default pick for all future majors until otherwise, until you hear otherwise. <laughs> I think Jordan Spieth's going to rise up and surprise people. There you go. 
All right. We will see. Uh, if it's hot, though, poor Jordan might lose 10 pounds just in a round, and he can't afford to. No, he really can't. But he's uh, he's too good of a player to keep uh, messing around. I don't know what his problem is. Yeah, he needs to, he needs lightning to strike, that's for sure. And it would yeah, certainly be helpful coming the, into the yeah. PGA. It, it would be. And, you know, here's we have all these hot young guns and all this exciting stuff happening with Brooks Kepka. And and it's all happened really with Jordan Spieth and Jason Day not really being part of it. And, and Rory's kind of only been on the fringe in some other tournaments. So if those three guys get back in the game, we really have a chance to have some fun. Well, it's going to be fun. I'll see you up there at Beth Page next week, my friend Gary Van Sickle. Check out all his columns on themorningread.com. You're listening to the Golf Insiders. More golf talk coming up. We'll be right back. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you, Jake. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I think it's nice. We're back. The Golf Insiders. In the house, house, Holly G, along with Jeff Shane. An abbreviated version of the Golf Insiders tonight as we go to UCF baseball. It's 645. Hey, we got we, we got uh, three rounds out of it. So. Yeah, we absolutely <laughs> did. And um, we got to make the most of it. And, uh, wow, uh, the biggest news of the week certainly was Tiger Woods receiving the Medal of Honor. Um, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. To... Oh, what am I... <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. Thank you, my friend. We've just stopped a phone call from the White House. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Uh, But I was focused on the fact that our good friend, (laughs) Mr. Jeff Babineau, actually was on CNN with Wolf Blitzer prior to the ceremony in the Rose Garden at the White House. I got that part right. Yes. And I have to say... um, you know, Babs, Tiger truly seemed um, so touched and moved and um, quite quite sincerely emotional in the moment. What, what would you have to say, my friend? Yeah, good evening, folks. I, I think he did show some emotion. I think at 43, you know, Tiger is showing more emotion than he has in the past. I think, you know, these things mean a lot to him. It means a lot that his children are there to watch him get an honor like this his mother was there at the rose garden to see tiger woods get this honor so i think he does get emotional it means something um you know we gave tiger the ben hogan award this year at the golf writers dinner we've had tiger at that dinner 11 or 12 times and and never has he been up there speaking so eloquently and and obviously showing meaning to what he was receiving that night so you know at 43 i think he's kind of looking back a little and and you know, he's certainly he's looking forward too, but but as he looks back and reflects on this, uh, these things mean something to him. And for you and my sidekick here, Jeff Shane, who have sat in many an interview and gotten the three-word Tiger answer or glare or complete, you know, dismissing <laughs> comment or the wordy answer that says absolutely nothing. <laughs> you know, it's it, I know that you guys know better than anybody that uh this, you know, speaking from the heart is a a whole new side of Tiger. Yeah, I think so. I mean, he, you know, look, we call upon that guy so much. I can only remember 
a handful of times in his whole career, you know, even going back to his amateur days when Tiger didn't talk to the press after a round. And he is, he's, it's an art form to stay up there a while saying stuff and not really giving you a lot. He, he's kind of, he's mastered that. I think his dad taught him that, you know, don't give him too much. And, and uh, it's funny, I've, I've actually gone to some clinics that he's done for kids and little kids will ask him questions and he'll give these great answers that I'm like, wow, I never knew that. Or, you know, he'll, he'll unveil something and it's kind of interesting. He'll do it in the presence of kids at a clinic. And, uh, but he, um, yeah, I think he is opening up a little bit more. He, you know, now he has a deal with this new TV venture where he's, you know, he did the sit down after the masters. That's probably a segment we wouldn't have seen in the past. So, you know, hopefully he kind of opens the door a little bit more to what's going on with him and, what's going on in his mind because he's a great champion and I think people have an interest in that and I think another thing Tiger doesn't get enough credit for um, is his Tiger Woods Foundation you know that's just doing tremendous stuff for kids and education yeah he's he's changing lives right that's powerful I I thought to me the most unfortunate thing of the ceremony the other day it's like President Trump gave him the Presidential Medal of Freedom which is one of the highest civilian honors one can receive for for winning the masters you know and that's not what it was all about i think the president was kind of missing the point tiger's legacy is going to be in what he does in the realm of education and leaving behind these schools uh just the way jack and arnie their legacy will be in the hospitals they leave behind right we have a great arnold palmer hospital and winnie palmer hospital we're lucky to have two of them in orlando that's an incredible legacy and that's the thing that you know, Tiger talks about just starting Chapter 2 of his life right now. So to get this honor at 43 was a little peculiar, and I think the president kind of missed the point on, on why Tiger should have been there getting the honor uh, at this age in the first place. Well, and, and he was he still goes down as the only active athlete to receive the Presidential Medal of Freedom, and, and I think part of that is because golf is golf, and you can play until you're 60 or 70 or or whatever, but this is the first sportsman who has received the Presidential Medal of Freedom that actually now has to go get ready for his next athletic endeavor. You're right. Yeah, I mean, Babe Ruth got this honor a year ago. He's been gone a little while. How, how did that uh, happen, you know. by the way? Because, <laughs> I mean, who else could have a hot dog in his back pocket and hit a ball 450 feet out the center field? But it happened. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Michael Jordan, if you go back and look, Michael Jordan was in his 50s when he received it. I mean, Arnold Palmer was in his 70s. Jack Nicklaus was in his 60s. And Charlie Sifford was in his 90s when he received this. Uh, it's a lifetime-type achievement. And uh, so it was odd. But, you know, I mean, we, we have a, certainly have a, not to get real political on it, but we have a, a guy in the White House that certainly does things on his own timetable and his own accord and, and doesn't really – want to follow script so uh he decided to tweet out that tiger was getting this award right after the you know, shortly after that last putt dropped at the masters and, and and the bigger picture is it's a great honor for tiger and, and at some point in his career i think he'd be you know he's gonna get this award anyway yeah i think that was it was was that he he had it wasn't that he was not going to get this award it, it was just why not strike while the iron's hot and Right. Uh, as as I've kind of mentioned in, in a column on Golf Insiders, that um, to do it now highlights the fact that he was one step from retirement. 
and has come all the way back to win one of the highest, you know, one, one of the major championships. And so uh, in, in that sense, Donald Trump never waits around for anything. No. And, and, I mean, it is a story to celebrate, really. I mean, Tiger Woods coming back, winning the Masters, just, just coming back and being competitive with all the doubts we had. There was that five-year window where he's not – he's barely playing tournaments, not to mention not winning tournaments. And, and so many people – I was always convinced Tiger would win again because he's so stubborn, and so many people were saying he wouldn't. I mean, that's just kind of his makeup, that he's going to come back and And so and competitive. Yeah, he is. Sure. He's hugely competitive. So that was going to happen. And and finally, you know, he had a procedure in his back that allowed him to physically try and make it happen. And now, you know, he's been a force in three majors in a row. And and I think you now entertain the thoughts that this guy possibly, the odds aren't with him, but he possibly could catch Jack Nicklaus. And that's a great thing for golf, right? That's going to let everybody tune in. And, and it's a great storyline to follow. Absolutely. And, uh, Jeff, great job on CNN, my friend. You, uh, you definitely uh, were, were uh, there in the spotlight prime time. And uh, appreciate you spending a few minutes with us tonight. Jeff Fabino. You got it. Thanks. From uh, the Morning Read and Sky Eye Golf. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. The PGA Championship. Thanks so much. Jeff, all right. Okay. Byron Nelson. I'm going down the list. Jimmy Walker. Brian Stewart, who's been playing pretty well. Henrik Stenson's in the field. Hideki, Matsuyama. Pat Perez, who played well last week. Coming back from injury. Had a calf injury that uh, had not uh, responded well until just recently. Mark Leishman, who was in the hunt last year at the tournament. He likes these kinds of courses. You know, he's he's a guy that uh, I think you can put some money on. And Keith Mitchell. First-time winner who's continued to post some top 20s here, top yeah. 10s. Yeah, top 10 at Bay Hill, top 10 last week at Quail Hollow, so he's playing well on, on some really good golf courses. This this is a tournament where you get past Brooks Kepka and there's kind of a drop-off, and it is the kind of course that Brooks Kepka should win at because it's wide open, no trees, no water. Uh, you can be creative. You hit it far and then be creative. Now you have to putt well because these are huge greens. Um, so uh, it's kind of hard to look away from Brooks Kepka this week. So there, there's that. He's also got the extra motivation perhaps to prove to Brandel Chambly that he can win something other than a major championship. So I'll put him at the top of my list, and I'm going to put Mark Leishman, who holds the course record, by the way, as my number two. Well, I'd like to see Jordan get his mojo back, especially coming into the PGA Championship, where we know he's got the possibility to complete the Grand Slam. So it could be fun. And uh, I'll be up there at Beth Page uh, beginning Monday, and you'll be here flying solo (laughs) on Wednesday night. You'll, You'll help me out, I'm sure. So it's going to be a great week. (laughs) And uh, as always, we appreciate you listening to Golf Insiders. We've got a tea time. Bye-bye.